That was Bridge on the River Kwai theme. Fiona Harper, recently in Kanchanaburi, found a nature conservancy set up on a riverfront acreage designed to preserve not only trees but animals as well. Our Land Thailand was established by Vijo Verges in Kanchanaburi, about two hours west of Bangkok, near the Myanmar border. One of the amazing parts of Fiona's visit was that you can travel to Vijo's property by floating for about half an hour down the River Kwai, which is exactly what she did. Well, Fiona Harper's back in Australia, but was recently in Thailand. She met an interesting character there, and uh, she's actually done an interview with him, which, which we'll go to here in a second. But what I was intrigued with, Fiona, was the way you could arrive <laughs> at this particular destination. Now, you were in Kanchanaburi, which is up right. near the what we used to call the Thai-Burma border, now the Myanmar border. That's and right. Yeah, this was quite a bit uh, more light-hearted than the, um, than the death railway and the and the death museums and the cemetery. So we um, we launched ourselves on the Kwai River. First of all, we stepped into a, um, into life jackets, so upside-down life jackets. If you imagine how you normally put a life jacket on, you slip your arms through. In this case, we slipped our feet through the armholes of the life jacket. looked a bit like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, if yeah. you can imagine that. <laughs> um, strapped ourselves into the life jackets upside-down and then jumped into the river, and the river flows quite swiftly and... So that was how we arrived at our land uh, nature reserve 45 minutes later. And you spoke to the man who has purchased this sanctuary, but he rescued it from being another just another resort or something. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. There was a, a massive residential resort was going into this uh, big plot of land, and Vijo, who I spoke to, is one of the co-founders of the Our Land Nature Reserve. So they bought 10 acres. So uh, my name is Vijo, Vijo Vergis. Uh, I am of South Indian ethnic origin. I grew up in Thailand uh, ever since I was one year old. And uh, I am the co-founder of Our Land Thailand, uh, which is a conservation organization that started off with uh, land conservation. It is based uh, about uh, two hours west of Bangkok in a place called Kanchanaburi, which is on the tip of the Western Forest Complex, which is the largest contiguous forest complex in all of Southeast Asia. Right. Yeah. And the size of our land? The size of our land is uh, 10 acres or 25 rye, 9 to 10 acres and about 25 rye in land in total. And yeah. can you tell me um, what was the inspiration for, for developing our land? Uh, so the, in, the inspiration uh, was just uh, to be closer to nature. To, to spend more time in nature and to and to show other people that nature can heal uh, the way that nature healed me, right? Uh, I I was uh, I lived in corporate life and I had uh, several mental health difficulties, uh, working under really high pressure for a big corporation, uh, and uh, and that put a fair amount of stress on me and I was looking for ways that it can it can heal me, uh, I can heal myself mm-hmm. and. Uh, Instinctually, I wanted to go out in nature yeah. to, 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 to feel more connected to nature, to be more, uh, yeah, just to, to find a way to, to find inner peace, I guess yeah. you can call it that. And, uh, and so, therefore, uh, it was the first, I was, I was already visiting a lot of national parks at the time, uh, going out every weekend just so that I can find some time in nature. And then, um, and then things kind of, uh, and then I started realizing that I wanted to, I wanted a piece of land in which I could connect to because the national parks, they don't let you plant any trees. They don't let yeah. you do anything. So 
I said, I want a piece of land that I can really connect to and I can really spend time in. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was also uh, volunteering at an elephant sanctuary nearby. And the owners of the elephant sanctuary uh, said to me, oh, okay, well, there's a plot of land nearby that I, I'd asked them, uh, like, do you have any plots? And they, they came by this, they showed me this plot where our land currently is and where we are right now, right? And, um, and, and when we came here, I remember the first time we came here, there was an elephant footprint and there was a deer footprint in the elephant footprint. And I was like, this is where I want to be because yeah. if these guys are here, I want to be here with them, yeah. right? Uh, and at that time, it was, like I said, this is privately, private land. So the, the idea is to, is, to kind of, is to kind of inspire people to realize that conservation is a very, is a very it, it's not something that the government has to do. Because we usually think of conservation and uh, as things that oh national park wildlife sanctuary someone else will take care yeah. of it well well and we usually tend to make that someone else the government it's yeah. the government's job to do that it's not mm. my job to do that mm. so I think the the idea the inspiration was initially was just to be close to nature to mm. be be you know uh, yeah be very connected to nature and spend time in nature and maybe uh, the right word is to inspire awe in people I feel that nature yeah. when you really put people through uh, uh, through a nature experience, <laughs> uh, uh, they can inspire awe within you. Yeah. In, in nature inspires awe within you, um, and I want that was what I wanted to share with people. But as time has gone by, it's it's also the idea if not if we have to take that awe and then convert that into something else, which is the need to protect nature mm. and to conserve nature. And and also maybe an interesting side point is that remember that when we talk about protection of nature or protection of the world, it's not the world that needs protection. It's us ourselves. It is our species. It is our need, our self need to preserve ourselves that we are doing this with. It, yeah. It's not the world that needs saving. It's it's ourselves. So how does that um, feed into tourism and, and wildlife tourism and, and nature tourism? Uh, so I think that the uh, first thing is that because we are involved in tourism in the terms of ecotourism and education-based tourism, uh, one of the main focus is to educate the next generation. Mm -hmm. And and one main issue that we, have, we face, we, we regularly see in children all over the world growing up is biophobia or the fear of nature, mm -hmm. right? The disconnect from nature is fairly high, you know. Um, but this is normal because uh, we have, you know, humans have been uh, living in fossil fossil fuel powered uh, cities for the past 100, 100 years or so, 150 years or so. Uh, and and uh, therefore we have uh, the younger generation that is born now has a misconception that they don't need nature or they tend to see themselves as different from mm -hmm. nature. Uh, this disconnect can cause a lot of, uh, uh, well, mental health issues, uh, other uh, other disorders that mm. we're not aware of. Uh, because let's not forget the fact that uh, on, you know, humanity's evolution on Earth, uh, we are Homo sapiens sapien right now. We were Homo sapien. And before that, we were probably Homo erectus or Neanderthal, mm. right? And that total combination of time frame is 3.3 million years, three or 300,000 years as sapiens, 3 million years as uh, erectus. Uh, and before that, we were something else too, right? So getting back to the tourism experience. Yes. So um, yes. Sorry. 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 We'll go all wind <laughs> off. Yeah. So so. I know. I know. It's a. It's, it's a little. It's a big uh, picture. Yeah. So um, but 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 just to maybe add up on the tourism part, what it what tourism does is allows us to make people connected to mm -hmm. nature, and, and number two is uh, income source. Yep. It allows us a small income source. Tourism is, a, I would say, still a fairly small income source that we can take that money and put it back into conservation. So the land we have acquired, part of it comes from the ecotourism or tourism business that we have created 
that continues to protect more nature. So can you talk to me about what people would do? To, so a visitor coming to our land, yeah. how would they spend a day? What the sort of things that they could do? Uh, so our programs are usually anywhere between half day, one day, all the way up to 21 days. So our longest program is 21 days. Uh, it's uh, and uh, it includes two parts. Our land we have two two our lands as of such right now. So one is uh, Kanchanaburi, which is the site we are at. Mm -hmm. We also have a marine conservation center in the south of Thailand. Uh, Where is that? It's in Koh Yao Noi. It's an island off Phuket. It's about uh, yeah, it's about uh, uh, 50 minutes off the okay. off Phuket island. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so usually if it's 21 days, you do part yeah. part here and part there. The main things we do here, number one is, of course, uh, or, or for a very basic one-day visit, is basically just visiting the Owlland Reserve itself, understanding the concept mm -hmm. of the reserve. So basically, uh, the way to enter the Owlland Reserve itself is also very unique. We actually let people float down a river okay. for 30 right. minutes, which yeah. we'll be doing after, later today. Mm -hmm. uh, float down the river for 30 minutes and then walk through the jungle for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, learning about the jungle we have several mm -hmm. talking points along yeah. the jungle and learning about that uh, besides that we have several other environmental issues that we address so people can choose to tailor make their programs to how many days they want to spend here so we we address the primary uh, environmental issues and addressing that is part of the experience of our land mm -hmm. so one of them for example uh, is uh, is sustainable construction yeah. Uh, most people don't realize that concrete is made by blowing up mountains. So we show people how to make mud houses. That's one thing. Uh, agriculture. Agriculture is destroying the planet uh, mm. because of monoculture and pesticide and fertilizer, chemical fertilizer-based uh, agriculture. That needs to change. So we have a farm in which we take people and people will build, will do compost, uh, completely organic mm. plant trees and eat stuff that is completely organic on the farm. Right. Uh, we have a human elephant conflict uh, community center that we work with the local community so people can see the big next upcoming problem, which already is a problem as of right now, is human wildlife conflict. Mm. Humans are living very close to wildlife because we're enroaching on their space. I'm interested what you said before about the, the park across the road and the road, the, the road that's dividing um, our land and the nature, yes. the wildlife corridor. How, how does that impact the wildlife that's... It's here, you know, where we're sitting and also across the... How, how they're getting across the road, basically. What's the impact of that road? Yeah, so the, the, the impact of the road primarily is that it is, it is a sign of habitat fragmentation because we have a river on one side of the road mm. and we have a huge jungle on the other side. Very simply put, these animals are trying to get from the jungle to the, to their, the water. Their, 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 their godly right to be, to drink water. Mm. But they need to get that. So we've put this big road, a big highway right in the middle of it. And that's, you know, that's just, that's just the way humanity has been. We can't, mm. we can't turn to humanity and say humanity is bad or anything, but it's just the yeah, way humanity has been. So what we've done. Uh, it's about how we can work forward and correct those things. Uh, so one of the things is that as elephants, our animals cross over, they get hit by cars. So in the past uh, two years, seven elephants have been hit by cars. Uh, and they usually that they will die within uh, a few, uh, within a few days or a week of that time uh, so our objective here is to make sure that is to make sure that people are slowing down mm -hmm. when they get to these crossing points that's one of them eventually of course one day when we when there's a much more bigger budget from the government or even for private funding we want to build an eco bridge that goes yeah. over or under mm. the the road so that people can you know uh, so the animals can come yeah, through I and access the built in other countries and exactly it's a great solution and Thailand has one too actually in Khao Yai National Park UNESCO World Heritage Site they do okay. have one yep. 
one wildlife crossing mm-hmm. of that nature. So I think that the the, the main thing is the separation. Mm-hmm. It's the separation between uh, uh, the the highway separates private land on one side, and the other side is uh, is uh, is uh, is basically protected land, mm-hmm. government protected land. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Lastly, just one question about the, the actual species that are in the, the sanctuary across the road. Can you just talk about the, the numbers of species and the different types of species? And yeah. is there any endangered species? In yeah. The so the Salakpra Wildlife Sanctuary is the oldest wildlife sanctuary in Thailand. It was set up in 1965 by Dr. Bun Song Le Kakun, who was a very famous <laughs> conservationist in the area. Uh, he uh, set up the protected the area because he saw a large amount of animals in there. He himself was actually a hunter. And uh, in the process of hunting, he realized that other people were hunting too. And it was a common thing to hunt back then. So he said, okay, we need to put some legislation in place to protect these animals. Otherwise, in a few decades, they'll all be gone. Mm. Uh, so he set up Salakpra. Uh, Salakpra itself is home, we believe, estimated to 300 to 350 Asiatic elephants. Asian elephant is an endangered species. Global populations are at 35,000, set for extinction in 30 to 40 years. Wow. Right? So this one species, so just the elephant itself is an endangered species. And then we have six types of big cats in there. So there's tiger, the leopard, the Asiatic golden cat, the fishing cat, the clouded leopard, and uh, the, the jungle cat. These are all animals that are in there. Besides that, we have other endangered species, for example, the bantang. Bantang is also another endangered or critically endangered species uh, of wild cattle. This is a project that we work with as well in the area as well. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so last question um, is about the keystone species. So why, why should we be protecting elephants and, and keystone species? I think that uh, elephants, uh, big animals, uh, generally in the, in the world of, in the, world of uh, in the public world, uh, there are a few things that people easily connect to. So big animals are examples are mm. lions, elephants, and uh, and tigers, mm-hmm. right? It's and they are what they're called flagship animals, or you know, because yep. they're easy to put up on a on a poster and mm-hmm. people will put their yeah, money into it. Notice. But at the same time, you're also fortunate that the elephant is a keystone species. So keystone species means that that animal has a very high uh, response. Well, that animal itself. The existence of that animal ensures that almost 70% of the remaining animals in that jungle survive that mm. jungle. It could be 70, 80%. There's no exact number on it, but a very high impact because the elephants manage the food web or the keystone species manages food in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you, if the elephant numbers drop, uh, uh, so the main things that elephants do, two main things that makes them keystone. One is creation of light holes, and that is by pushing down trees. Mm -hmm. They are called the gardeners of the jungle. So they will push down trees and the trees will fall over and then light will appear from the roof, come down, open canopy, light will hit the forest floor, uh, and then things get to grow. When things grow on the ground, other animals like deers and all the other smaller herbivores get to eat that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. No elephants, no light holes, no light coming down, nothing grows down all the other animals disappear with it. Secondly, uh, in an area like this, in, in where elephants are present, 37 to 38% of all plants in that area are dispersed using elephant poop, right? So that's a, that's a big thing. So they're, because their poop is so nutritious 
and perfect fertilizer and a perfect growing ground for all these plants because they eat. Uh, in Thailand, we have 100 and, 100, I think 180 recorded species of plants that elephants are eating in the wild. So they're just eating all that stuff. Out comes their poop. And from their poop, as you have seen, mm -hmm. grows so many plants. Yeah, so you've got a little incredible. forest yeah. right there in the poop of an elephant, mm. right? So it just makes them the key keystone species. Who knew species. that elephant poop was so important? Exactly. Who knew that? I mean, like, <laughs> and, 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 and not only that, they're, they're also used as a food source. So dogs and deers and other animals will eat uh, elephant poop as well mm -hmm. and even uh, you know you'll see like uh, wild birds will you know or wild chickens will go through elephant poop just to find the food in it mm. right uh, termites will settle in them so being one of the megafauna of the area they are megafauna right and uh, and because they consume so much vegetation we're talking about 200 to 400 kilos in a day mm -hmm. consuming all this all that stuff they are kind of basically fertilizing and mm basically gardeners as i said of the whole jungle as it says in jungle book right they're the gardeners <laughs> of the jungle they're the architects they're landscape architects of the jungle so that's why they're really important take them out the jungle will pretty much die with mm. it yeah Peter, thanks so much for talking to thank you. you so much i'm Fiona. gonna go out into the jungle and find myself some elephant poop absolutely <laughs> yes let's do that our reporter fiona harper was speaking with vijo verges in kanchanaburi for more information www.ourlandthailand.com And that is Travel Writers Radio for this week. We'll be back next week at 5pm on Wednesday and the show's repeated Saturdays from 1pm to 3pm right here on JR88FM in Melbourne. Travel Writers Radio is a production of Pallet, the professional association of lifestyle and travel writers. So until next week, it's good night from me, Graham Kemlo. And good night from me, Carolyn Chesinski. Thank you for listening. We'll travel far, far as the